the key thing I think with connecting with an audience is being as authentic as you can and creating a strong bond between the people who are following you. I mean, I don't want to be an influencer who just take, take, take. TTYA Talks, the podcast. So guys, you know, every week we need to be focused. And this week I'm getting into all things acting and blogging with social media star and fashionista Temi Otodola, who recently made her acting debut in Netflix Originals Citation, the most watched movie ever on Netflix, Nigeria. So we're going to be unpacking all the BTS gist, guys. So yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Temi. Welcome to TTYA Talks, the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? Guys, if you can see Temi's hair, yeah, the look <laughs> that she's giving, I'm, embar- I'm embarrassed that I didn't put on her eyelash today because she's giving it to them. She's really giving it to them. She I had to pimping. come with some, just some, something cute, something small. Thank you. <laughs> light work, yeah. Just something light. Just something light. Light. Something light. For those, all those lockdown Zoom calls. Like, to be honest, like I just feel like you know, for some people, self-care can be anything, right? Mm. And it's so weird that my mood is instantly just taken to that next level if yes. I at least, like, put on jeans. But then some <laughs> days, I feel good when I'm like, okay, my hair is off, um, mm. like, I don't have any makeup on. But some days, it just does that extra thing for my mood, especially when I haven't left the house in, like, two weeks. Uh, you, you, know. look, you look you look beautiful babes. thank you you look beautiful so let's <laughs> let's get into it um yeah. would love to have a little bit i always say with everybody let's be focused let's start at the beginning yeah um yeah tell us a little bit about where you grew up where you studied mm. and a little bit about your family life yeah so i mean we can start all the way from the beginning which was um i started school in nigeria and then when I was around seven, um, my my little brother has autism and my mom wanted him to school in the UK. So that's when like my entire family moved over here. And I was thrown straight into like that, like old school English boarding school at seven, like no family, no friends. And um, I think those years from like seven to 17, being in that same school in Kent, uh, you know, what really kind of, made me who I am today I was kind of thrown into Mm. a situation where I think a lot of people moving from Nigeria to the UK or West Africa they have that culture shock and I remember the first two weeks I just cried because I was not used to the food the culture the people but now I'm just so grateful that that happened just because it's shaped you know me being able to fit into different situations and being able to adapt and appreciating Mm. other people's cultures and upbringings and just having that empathy of, okay, we all have different ways of growing up, but, you know, mm. what are the things that can bring us together? So um, after that, I went to uni in London. So that, it's so weird because the first year I lived in London was when I started going to UCL, even though I feel like such a Londoner. But my first years actually living in London was for uni. Um, so I went to uni in UCL. I mean, you know, I think the university experience can be very mixed because it's kind of blown up into you're going to have a great time. You're going to meet all these people. It's going to, you know, really shape you into an adult. You're going to learn life, sk- yeah. life adult skills. Yeah. Adult skills. Yeah. And uh, first year, I was in halls and I was around so many people, but I felt like really isolated. And I think the idea I had in my head of how great uni would be, like, was completely different to my experience. And I do value, I'm, I feel so lucky that I was able to go to uni and everything. 
Um, but it was definitely one of those, those first things where I was like, okay, I'm an adult. And, you know, this idea of what I had, um, of what the situation would, would be, didn't really work out. Um, and again, just being in a space where, okay, I was the only, let alone Nigerian, I was the only black person on my course. And I just, I still didn't feel like I'd found my space. Mm. Um, so that really was the thing that kind of catapulted me to being like, okay, I need to kind of find my own space and decide what my passion is. And I started my blog, JTO Fashion, when I was in school. So I was actually 16. But it was in those uni years where I felt a bit lost and isolated that I was like, okay, this is, I think, my calling. And I want to make this into a full-time job. So, like, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I find, like, sometimes we kind of fall into our passions and then see that, okay, we can actually make these jobs. We can actually monetize. Um, you know, I went to university for history of arts. Like, okay, I want to be a gallerist. I want to work in a gallery. I want to maybe open a gallery in Nigeria. And then I decided it wasn't for me. And like, you know, that's okay. And that's okay. Know? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 I, th- I love that how you was talking about how your inspiration from your kind of your blog came from, you know, the fact that you felt so isolated and you wanted to find, you wanted to like kind of submerge yourself in something that you were so passionate about. And I think people always tell me like, how did you start your career? And it's just like, literally it was by accident, but I think I fell into something and I followed something that I was passionate about. How did you kind of, build the j2o blog into it becoming because it almost became a bit you became your brand essentially yeah how did you kind of make that transition yeah until today people they don't call me team they just say oh j2o j2o like when will i shake that part um but i uh so when i was in school i was obsessed with fashion blogs i was obsessed with you know watching fashion week online and seeing all these influencers and that was when instagram was new um Mm. like you know the old the old formatting of there was no story it was like that og (laughs) instagram and i was like okay so why am i not seeing any nigerian influencers like at these events like you even had influencers from china and south america Mm. but there was like no no representation um and you know at that time I still thought that you know it is quite important to have representation in those spaces I mean my opinion on that has changed a little bit in terms of we don't always necessarily have to be in spaces that weren't meant for us right but at the Mm. time I was like we need we need that high-end girl who's going to the shows and you know who's that bridge between Africa and high fashion so I mean, it didn't start like that. I was just at home and, you know, whenever there was a fashion week, I would watch everything and then do a roundup of my favorite shows, my favorite looks. And then I would do the same thing for Lagos Fashion Week. So you were seeing Paris Fashion Week and Lagos Fashion Design Week, you know, head to head. Mm -hmm. And um, it would just be like, you know, me writing blog posts, me taking pictures, me editing the pictures, me pitching to magazines like, I want to write for you. And this was when I was 16, 17 just trying to make it work. Um, and then it kind of grew into, okay, well, people aren't really reading blogs the way mm. they used to. Like there was that 2007 to 2010 yeah. time where blogs were the thing. It was a transition. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it moved to YouTube and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whenever brands were doing partnerships, it was only Instagram. They didn't even want to pay you for blog content. And everyone moved over there. And our, um, even our, ability to read long form content has really reduced you know like mm. to read an entire article sometimes like our attention spans are like that it's reduced yeah. it's, it's reduced it's reduced like, it's reduced have you ever had it that people wouldn't even read your instagram caption yeah. captions <laughs> exactly literally yeah. 
they were so I just decided that okay, the amount of time I'm spending making these long form content pieces, let me just put all my energy into Instagram. Mm. Um, and I would make kind of bloggy pieces on my Instagram. So that was really the JTO brand was being a blogger, uh, which I'm not anymore in the traditional sense of I don't write blog posts, but um, I would describe it now more just social media influencing, which has become a dirty word too, you know, like. <laughs> Yes and no, but I feel like it depends in which way you use your platform. You've always kind of used your platform in a way to shine light on African designers. Why was that kind of really important to you? Just because um, the main thing really was, okay, so Nigeria is Africa's biggest economy. We have this huge emerging market for amazing designers. And then as Nigerians, we're not buying our, our own brands. You know, when we have that extra money to spend, you know, we can drop a bag at Louis Vuitton. But when it's time to actually support our own designers, you know, we're not doing it. So I wanted to promote shopping our own brands. Um, and that's why, you know, when I did my first uh, capsule for designing, I did it with Orange Culture. I didn't decide mm-hmm. to do it in London. That was really important to me just because we have so much amazing talent. And I think when we're not buying our own brands, we're discouraging people from going into creative industries because they're like, there's no money to be made. But if mm-hmm. we're actually putting our dollar there, then people are saying that, okay, I can be a photographer and I will get booked. Just, you know, just as an example, it could be anything. Yeah, yeah. But I, it just made sense being a Nigerian influencer that I'm supporting my homegrown brands. Because it was for me, it was yeah. a bit like on the other side, like when I did, when I showed at Lagos Fashion Week, everyone was like, why are you showing at Lagos Fashion Week? And I was like, well, that's my heritage. And my heritage is part of yeah. what comes into like how I design and how I think about product that I want to make. So yeah. it even makes more sense for me to want to show home than to want to show here, you know. And also yeah. if I can bring some of those international press and shine a bit more light on what's going on there, it's win-win, you know. So yeah. in a way, it's almost like like utilizing your space to merge kind of both worlds um you've kind of gone from that into more like presenting social media content for brands what are some of the major challenges that you face I think um the key thing I think with connecting with an audience is being as authentic as you can and creating a strong bond between the people who are following you I mean I don't want to be an influencer who just takes, takes, takes. Like, I want you to buy this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I think it's really important to create a relationship with your fans, especially when, you know, people have been complaining about the algorithm and how, you know, people aren't even seeing your posts. So in order, <laughs> look, yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, and these, these platforms aren't really helping us in terms of fan interaction. So the key thing is that I don't want it to be like a one-sided relationship. I want you to actually, you know, be able to get something from the content I'm creating or I make sure to only work with brands that I like or I would actually buy. It always has to be really authentic and people don't see uh, the partnerships you don't decide to do because it's not on brand. They just see what you're putting. You know what I mean? There's so many Mm. things to say no to just because they're not brand aligned. They're not right for you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they're not right for you and I think people can really see through the BS. Like they know when you're just doing things for a quick buck Um, and I think you do need to have a vision of, okay, you know, how do I want to represent myself in front of the world? It could be in any industry, but it just has to seem authentic. And I think every influencer has to have their own voice. And it's key not to try and copy what anyone else is doing. Like, just Mm. stay in your lane, be true to yourself. And that's something I've been working on, 
is um, I'm not going to necessarily copy what this person is doing because it's worked for them because it might not work for me. And mm. the key to success is never copying someone else's journey. You can be inspired by them, but I think it's really key just to actually be like, okay, who is and how do I show my most authentic self? And I think mm. audiences, like, they really resonate with that. What advice would you give on monetizing your content that you create? Because I think this is this is the key to being able to yeah. just. I, I, let me say. Let, let, let me let me rephrase that. Actually, it's not the key, but I think when you can turn that key, that's when it actually starts to make sense. Until yeah. then, it's just you're just placing pictures on the internet, but it's not really <laughs> working for you. Yeah. So what? Maybe when was that moment when you had that ding button and thought, okay, let me unlock the monetizing side. And what advice would you give yeah. to be? Able able to create content that is money worthy yeah because you know i think a lot of the time it comes across as so effortless that people might not think it's a business but it's a mm. business at the end of the, if you if you want to make a business it's a business and that's how i you know i run my platforms it, you know some people might not get it but um it took a long time for me to monetize you know i would mm do shoots I would do writing I would cover events even to this day if it makes sense in terms of exposure I'll do it for free but it took like I was just blogging and I was happy blogging for three years in uni without making a single dime um Mm. and also you know I don't think that's necessarily smart I think brands like to take advantage of influencers agreed agreed and that e-word that exposure word like can be very frustrating you know because you wouldn't ask anyone else to do something for free you would pay them you know when there's a service being given you pay the person it just makes sense unless again they are starting out because i think when you're starting out you do have to be scrappy you do have to be ready to help like if there was just a photo shoot and i could just go and like assist i would do that and i got Mm. that background from working in retail as a kid like I, I was just ready to do whatever had to be done if, in case I would meet someone on set and it would help. Um, and a lot of it is connections and it is sometimes, are you putting yourself out there? If you don't ask, you don't get. And you have to scrap your pride sometimes in order to get paid in certain situations. I was working, I was writing for a magazine for six months, pro bono. And then I was like, I need to get paid. Even if you give me 10 pounds, like I just need to know that I'm giving you work and I'm being paid for it. And that, it, it increased, it increased, it increased. Um, but I think where I am right now in terms of, okay, being paid per Instagram post, for example, or being paid per tag, it does take a while to get there. Um, but when you when you do have an audience, when you do have engagement, it is key you're asking for pay. Because you'll see that, okay, um, this influencer, just because they asked, they got paid and you have the exact same following. And that's why... Everyone should talk to each other because sometimes you don't know how much to charge. Sis, say that again. <laughs> say that louder for the people at the back. Everybody discuss, talk about money, you know, especially when you're in creative industries. Talk about money and realize that sometimes they are just, they'll go to someone else just because they'll take less. But if we're all charging the same thing, they have no choice, right? And I always think about it this way. If they're paying for billboard advertisements, £10,000, for example, but someone's Instagram is getting more clicks and more engagement, then why are you paying that influencer less, you know? Mm. And I just think people like to just get away with doing things that aren't necessarily right, but you have to ask for what you want. And especially being someone that, you know, because of my background, people think that I'm in this for fun. (laughs) Mm. And part of my brand is making everything look 
effortless, right? So mm. I really had to push that, okay, if you're paying any other influencer, you would pay them this much. But because of who you think I am or my background, you're going to pay me X. Or take me, oh, do it for free. I'm just here for fun kind of vibe. So I, you just, I think you really need to push, but you also need to know that when you're starting out, you know, you don't immediately demand money, you earn it. Mm. And the thing is for me, I've seen you firsthand like work so hard and I was actually going to go on to that and like, what do you mm. say to people who think, obviously we all know your surname, we all know about your family, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, what would you say to people who think that you do have it easy because of your family name? I think the first, I always say like, just straight up is that, you need to acknowledge your privilege. And um, that's the first thing I always do. Because I think it'll be doing myself a disservice to be like, oh, um, I've had this, like, you know, saying I've had it so hard and trying to create that backstory. Like, um, my parents have offered and supported me and given me so much. And the whole point of even me and my sisters trying to do our own thing is that, you know, on too much is given, much is expected, you know? Mm. And anyone else given our circumstances would try and make a name for themselves would try and um go after their dreams like my parents worked so hard and gave us this life so we would be able to go after our dreams you know and that's what anyone wants for their child but that's I think that's why we push ourselves so much like (laughs) our whole family if if we sit out for dinner so and so is doing this they're doing this like we're not people who just sit around and chill and you know our sibling rivalry Ooh. because i see couples yeah. hustling in these streets yeah. <laughs> Shit, but so are you so so are you so those those dinner conversations must be really interesting so in terms of me and my sister i think we're just really really lucky that a one slightly different industries and then we just have each other's back i mean we're the closest in, in age in my family so when we were growing up we would mm. share the same bed like all our mm. lives and um I think with family, you just have to always have their back. I mean, if you don't have your family, who do you have, you know? So we're just mm-hmm. really lucky that we're all super close and we support mm-hmm. what each other do. I think it's really great when you say that, but also I do wonder because, you know, like, you know, coming from West African heritage can sometimes come with those stigmas, you know, your parents want you to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, did you guys also face those same stigmas? Because obviously you, you and Copy have gone, kind of gone into very creative careers, which yeah. is very far away from the norm of what traditional kind of African parents would expect, you know, especially daughters as well, career wise. Yeah. I think at first, we were we were going to be bankers we were going you know we were going to be those straight I mean I can't imagine myself in the city wearing a suit but apparently at some point you know I was going to be in you know the finance world for example but our parents just saw that okay it's not necessarily what we do because we have passion like whatever we're going to do we're going to do well and that's 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 something I really give to my parents is that they really pushed us to follow our dreams and we're so lucky for that because as you said you know it's not really the stereotypical thing to do when Kabi started DJing people would ask my dad how can you let your daughter be in a nightclub DJing Mm-hmm. you know and those are the same people today who are like wow like you know she's really doing come and play yeah! at my party <laughs> come and play at my wedding those are the same people but yeah yeah right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they had the foresight. I think them both being entrepreneurs in their own rights, they had the foresight to be like, okay, at first we might not 100% get it, but they saw the passion, they saw the vision, 
and also like they didn't let us play around if if my blogging mm. didn't monetize in the first few years i've been like cool okay go get a job in nine to five we moved yeah but they saw <laughs> that we were really trying to make it work um i think that's key is that if your parents are supporting your dreams you also back it up with being like okay well i've done this this and this and i'm taking it seriously mm. at the end of the day yeah so you made your acting debut in the, the Netflix original citation, most watched program on Netflix in Nigeria. Oh. Like it proper blew up. Yeah. Um, what was the what was the audition process? Because you were speaking many many languages <laughs> there. There was many there was many many there was many many things going on, sis. And I thought for entry level, she's not even entering like with a small step. Like she's really landing. Yeah. So like, what was the audition process um, like? And like, how, how did you even start to think about? Okay, yes, acting is something I want to move into. Yeah. So. I never thought I would ever be in any movie ever. Like, so the fact that I've even done this movie is crazy. Like, not even extra, but, like, just never. I I just was someone who loved films. Like, growing up, I loved movies. I was really into art films. I was that, like, eight-year-old watching a black-and-white movie from 1962. Like, I was just that person. <laughs> I loved movies. And um, especially growing up on, like, old-school Nigerian movies, um... Kunia Falayan, who's the director, was someone I always looked up to. And I met him once and I was like, hi, nice. I was just a fan. And he Mm -hmm. told me he was going to make a movie where the main character is a girl roughly my age. And he's never had a young girl as his lead. Never. So the fact that I was introducing myself, telling him how much a fan I was, and he had this movie he was going to be making in six months, it just just felt right. All alive. Yeah, honestly god's plan that's why i always say like mm. you never ever know where that next door could be and i i don't know how i decided i would do it but i would have rather done it and everyone dragged me and it was terrible than not having tried honestly Thanks. um and i was just like do you know if i don't do this i'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life um he obviously has some kind of confidence in me i had to do like three months of auditioning <laughs> it was really intense um we had to do languages we had to do crying and the subject matter is intense like he had to know that i'll be able to carry that across and mm-hmm. when you're a lead you know the success of the film is you being convincing to some type of degree so for the six months before i was on lockdown like i didn't go out i just concentrated on getting it done um, i spoke to a lot of victims who had gone through the same thing especially in nigerian universities because it's very specific to um, that story and um, Kiki Modi had done the amazing BBC Sex for Grades documentary where she went undercover mm-hmm. exactly so that was yes. that was a great resource for me as well but this happens every day and I just had to mm. put, portray more in me as one girl that this has happened to so I'm lucky like I had an incredible story something I genuinely care about and it showed me that yeah I have a passion for acting and that's something that I want to do moving mm. forward so the show does, like you've, you've just slightly touched upon, yeah. have quite a compelling plot. And there is going to be a slight spoiler alert, guys. So <laughs> yeah. if, if, if you haven't watched it, you, want, you might want to mute it for a split yeah. second. But, you know, the, fil- the film is about obviously a student who speaks out after like her university pre- um, professor um, attempts to rape her and the reaction of the university, the institution mm. to the claims. Um, it's super inspiring to watch. Like even me, I was like, kite chesu. Um but there, there, yeah. there is this kind of silence culture that is attributed to, you know, 
almost like the victim having to prove what happened to her how was that like really like taking on that kind of role and especially someone who's like new to set life Mm. new to acting how did you kind of really emerge yourself into making sure that you could get this right so I kind of just followed the kind of format of okay if I'm going to the scene I need to really live it. So I need to be as frustrated as she is when she's at the panel. And this guy is lying to her face, you know? And I need to represent that moment for every woman who's had that happen to her, you know? Because I think there's a collective frustration of telling your story and it being not being listened to or not being believed. So I just carried that energy. I mean, it's quite a heavy energy to carry, but I, I carried it throughout the movie. Big energy. <laughs> Big energy, yes. yeah. And every, Big energy, every day sis. After the set, I'd have to do my meditation and my happy music. I'm telling you. Um, yes. And I was just lucky to have amazing people who were there to help me out. They were like, you don't know what you're doing. We, you know, we have been in the game for so long and we're going to help you out. So my first day on set, I have never been on camera in my life and I've done prep, but it doesn't teach you the real thing. There's reading and researching and there's actually being then having to do it. So I had so many mentors on set and everyone is there to support you. That's the crazy thing. That's what I love about film is that mm. nobody wants you to do a bad job, you know, and other industries, sometimes there's competitiveness. And no, like everyone wants to make a good movie. They don't want it to be a flop. Mm. So they're, they're going to mm-hmm. try and help you um, if you're struggling. And your co-stars are there to support you if you're having a bad day. If the scene is like, especially like the assault scene, if it's something intense, like everyone is there to make you feel comfortable. And I was just so lucky to have a first experience like that. I love that. What were some of the challenges um, being so new to set life? I know you've touched upon it a little bit mm. about like the technicalities. Give us some of the behind the scenes that we might not really <laughs> yeah. know that like you we, you need to know if you're thinking about getting into acting. Yeah, so this one is from Professor Lucien who plays, um, who's Jimmy in real life. Um, he was an amazing actor. And for example, in all of my takes, I'll be giving that same gra-gra, like, uh, you know, that energy. <laughs> and he was like, wait to your close-ups like show that in your like it's just little things like that you don't, wouldn't even think about because you're doing that same scene 60 times they take your back they take your mm. left they take your right they do the is voice over like only give that full face in your close-ups it's just little things like that that even acting school which i've done since it just they wouldn't tell you that very practical tip and you know, from things like walking on marks, like, you know, when you're going to the scene, you have to stop, make sure you're on your mark, but then everything has to play off very natural and, you know, just telling you don't overthink it, you know, know your mark is there, but don't look down, don't overthink it, just go into Mm. it as a very fluid process. I think it's only people who have been acting for so long who just, they make it look so easy. And I was just so inspired to see people doing it um, who are in their 70s and 80s. And you know that they're just there because they love to do it. Um, Because I think so much of what we do sometimes is for gratification. And, you know, for people to afterwards clap and say, you did a good job. But you see people on set and they're just there because they love it. You know, the crew who they don't get all that praise that the cast and director gets. You know, the person who's doing the rig or he's doing the lighting. But they just seem as passionate about it as you i mean those are things that make you really lucky to be a part of it guys if you haven't seen citation 
Netflix. Yes. Get into it. It's lockdown season. Make sure that you go and go, go and watch it, guys. It's it's it's, it's serious. Yeah, I'm telling have you. Have snacks. your tish, have your tissues <laughs> yeah. ready. Have your snacks your ready. Snacks. You know everything ready. So you launch your podcast Woo-hoo. with Bay. With Bay, <laughs> Mr. Heezy. Mr. Heezy. Mr. Heezy. <laughs> Mr. Heezy. First of all, I need the intro music, yeah, mm-hmm. because tell him I'm coming to knock for him for my intro music for my podcast because it's the intro music that 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 was it for right. me sis i was sold already from the intro yes the intro music so i was just i was about to say that song is the intro for his last project you know like that that's a whole song and that was my favorite song on this project and it has no it has like no lyrics and he got a bit offended that i like the only song <laughs> In his, in his album with no lyrics but it's just such a vibe i was like can we just cut this and make it the intro for our podcast so that's the story of how it happened oh I, I i love it so much how did the podcast concept come about so as another podcast started in like that first lockdown last year um, yeah mm-hmm, where everyone mm-hmm. even mine <laughs> yeah <laughs> where people, exactly people were shaving their heads mm-hmm. they were making banana bread like we just didn't know what to do with ourselves like it was just that time right and (laughs) we were like okay we've never worked together on anything um and I think it would just be fun to have this extra connection with people who maybe follow me and they follow him and just seeing our dynamic and also talking about things that are interesting to us I mean it could be something ridiculous but also you know something that I feel like as maybe young Africans you don't get to see people talk about it and we just like to keep it like a hundred. Like when we go into recording, we're like, I'm not going to pretend I like something or I don't like something. Let's just be ourselves. And I think that was just really refreshing to do, especially people who follow me and they don't hear me talk or see my personality. Like it was just something fun and cool to do. I don't know, you know, sometimes I think it's just fun to share something with the world that might just be interesting to you. And if one person listens to it, cool. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I love the meet the parents episode. I think that was my favorite. I was laughing so much. Even when Easy was like, when he knew he was going to meet your dad oh and he God. ran out to go and buy something to wear because he only had tracks. Yes, yes. Like I was just screaming because I could just think like, imagine meeting your partner's parents and you only had tracks. I was thinking, Kai, wow. And this guy, he had, like, he had his hair pink dip dyed. <laughs> Unfocused. Completely. And it just shows you, like, my parents are so chill. Because my dad was like, I love your hair. Yes. Your hair is so cool. Like, should I dye my own? Imagine. How was it working with your partner? It's actually, it was a bit of an adjustment, honestly. Because mm. you never have to, you know, really get, you know, down and dirty in terms of, okay, I have the system, you have the system, and then bring it together with work. I think it's taken some adjustment, but now we enjoy it. But we are completely different people, like in terms of. Per- you talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, like, even different. for me, it gave me so much insight. Yeah. Like, you, me and you are quite similar. We're very organized and we like things done in a certain way. So, when I was hearing Easy talking, I was thinking, oh my God, you'd be my worst nightmare. <laughs> like, he, he will say, like, if we're doing like a team meeting for season two, he'll be like, yeah, call stress me out. I'm like, how can, how can doing a call to organize something stress you out? So, I think we've had to find our flow. And also it's made us closer because yeah. every time there's tension, 
and you get over it in some way or closer. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. A hundred percent. Yeah. But I also... And opposites yeah. attract. Opposites attract. Yes. And that's why you can see the energy. Like even... We can't see it, but we can hear the energy mm. between you. And like, I love the way that even though sometimes you guys don't necessarily always agree, you can always kind of find a common ground. And that's yeah. what I really loved about your podcast. Thank like you. we really got to see so much more to your personality right. as well. And I was like, no, actually they are very different, but... It works. It works. You know? I like God knows it why works. it works, but it works. And also, but it's not for everyone. Like sometimes it is mm. nice to have that step. And that was what it was like for so long. That like, we've completely separated work and personal life. Um so it's been nice to dabble, but I think it's nice to have boundaries. Cause some you know, with with being a creative, sometimes work becomes your entire life. Life facts. All yeah. you, you don't switch you off. You don't switch off. It's yeah. your friendship, it's your relationship. So it's nice to have boundaries sometimes as well. And how has lockdown been for you both? Like, have yeah. you been locked? Have you been in lockdown together? Have you been separated? <laughs> um, how has it been? Last year, it was we were basically together the entire time, and then up until a couple of weeks ago, where we did lockdown in Ghana. But of course, as you know, Ghana isn't really the same as the UK. Um, so it's been like a weird one. It's it's definitely the most time we've ever spent together, like a hundred percent. So it's been really nice to have that time together and. I mean, I think everyone has their way of coping and um, I think it is nice to have someone by your side to go through it. Um, But I think you take each day as it comes, honestly, with this and just being grateful for being healthy, you know, having Mm, our loved ones. That's just what's key. Yeah. Key, for sure. And I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about like public versus private because Mm. you're you're both quite public figureheads, you know, and, you know, how has it been even with like, because even some of the top, when you guys were speaking on a podcast, I was like, actually, they're being so real. Like you're giving us a little bit of a bit of an insight into who you guys really are. How do you make sure that you get the balance right, though? Because you don't want to be it's almost quite difficult because you still want that intimacy and that privacy, Mm. but you don't want to, you still are quite public figures. So how do you get the balance right? That's the thing is that you don't want to give everything away, but you want people to connect with you. It's such a fine line. And you want to keep some parts of your life to yourself as well. You know, Um, I found that a couple of years ago, I found that everything I did, I was posting and it was just, it was just really toxic and I was feeding in too much and oh like I want my socials to grow and um, I feel like I need to also present this like perfect idea of my life and that's why I've just decided that okay you know I'm just going to be honest about everything like if this thing isn't making me happy or if I'm not having a good day I'm not going to be on socials and that's the problem with having a life and business that's so keyed into being online is that you need to separate Mm. you know and you're online and you're comparing yourself and people are also now adding their comments. It's, it can be a lot. and It can be, it a, can lot, be a lot, sis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, social media isn't always nice. So that's why also when I see people, you know, going through something online, I'm like, I have a bit of empathy, you know, because I haven't even had it to that level. But when the internet turns on you, it can be like that. So Mm. I think it's good to give yourself a little just so people kind of understand what you're about. But you should have those moments that aren't online. And for example, if I if there's something I want to do with friends, I'll just be like, okay, cool, my phone is off. Like, 
I'm just going to live in that moment, you know? Definitely. I think you, it is, especially like you said, when you're, when you're in the creative industry, it's almost like your work life becomes your personal life. Like sometimes you're still emailing at midnight, yeah. like this crossover. And you do have to sometimes set those boundaries and just be like, actually, I'm going to put my phone down or I'm going to check out or I'm actually going to enjoy, be present in the moment. Because yeah. you can often find yourself even at the dinner table, emailing, calling, like, and you're not really present mm-hmm. in the moment, yeah. you know? And so your whole life will just go like present. that and you've just been online. Yeah, and totally finished. Yeah. And do you ever have it that also when people meet you, it's like they they think they know exactly what you're like because of online. You know, like <laughs> that also like or they'll be like, yeah. oh, I thought you were this way, but actually you're really nice. Yeah. <laughs> on Monday, yeah. Oh my god, or oh, you're really smart, or you know. And on Monday, I might be one day, and on Tuesday, I might be another way. Like people change yeah. day to day, week Facts. to week. You know, you can't mm-hmm. always expect people to be on a hundred percent. Yeah. So let's round up with some like fire yes. questions. Um, when do you feel the most comfortable in your own skin? Ooh, I think when I'm around my friends and family, like when I'm just being myself 100%. Proudest moment in your career so far? This is this is typical me, but it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Hey, you know, give like, them. <laughs> I like that answer. Watch give them. Thing. We haven't even started. So. She said big things are going on. Okay, <laughs> sis, no worries. <laughs> How do you surround yourself with people who always encourage you and uplift you? I think it's really important just to read energies and just um, being able to realize people who you know are authentic and genuine and also be that person. Don't just take, take, take from people. Just also be like, what can I offer this person as well? And what activities make you feel good about yourself? Oh, I'm going to say yoga, meditation. I've been on my self-care 101 this year and, and I'm bad at cooking please like no one take that as a soundbite because people like to actually drag me no everybody can cook it's not by force okay um but you know when i make like a cute little dessert and then you know give it to my sisters or my friends <laughs> and what's next for you sis what are you what are you allowed to tell us Ooh, what's next okay so i will small, say small you'll be seeing me on your screens again this year um thank god for that and then for the podcast listeners season two is coming out in a couple months what um and yeah that's why i can tell you so far so movie podcast definitely coming yeah unison oh i love that sis we appreciate you thank you so much for giving us your time it's been so great and for anyone who might hear this and might not be be already following you what's your social handle so they can get into it they can go and watch citation (laughs) and they can be focused yeah so i am at tammy or tedola on everything 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 at tammy or tedola and there you have it guys thank you for listening to another episode of ttya talks we out thank you for having me bye (laughs) thank you so much for listening to this episode if you enjoy the podcast please spread the word rate review subscribe all of that good stuff for any questions please also feel free to send me a signal on instagram or twitter on the handles at irene ttya or at ttya talks